Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. I'd like to welcome all of you today. You came expecting an Easter service today, you won't get one. Today we're celebrating Palm Sunday, and we'll be celebrating Easter next week. And in case you're wondering, no, this is not an April Fool's joke that us Orthodox like to play on the rest of the world, nor it is a conniving method to get our Easter candy at half price. Instead, the reasons we celebrate Easter next week are, like many issues, complex and steeped deeply in church and human history. So I'm not going to talk about any more of that right now, except to say that I do hope that all Christians will one day be able to achieve the unity they achieved after the First Council of Nicaea. And don't fret, even if you came for an Easter service, there'll be plenty about Easter today. And I'll also be talking a lot about time, unity, and even fools today, but all in a more cosmic sense. So let's get started. You probably heard this week that the Pope denied the existence of hell. Whether this is the case or not, you heard about it because it caused quite a stir in the national news. This, at some level, whatever the truth is, is probably an okay thing. Because these days, theology and eschatology rarely make headlines. If nothing else, it was a conversation starter. Suddenly, it seemed plenty of people were talking to me about religion, which is normally a taboo topic. Another item that rose up in the news after the Pope's comments went viral were those from Pat Buchanan. Well, what did Christ die for on the cross to save us from? Implying that the point of Christ's death on the cross is to save us from hell. Well, is that really why Christ died? Before we go any further, let's make sure that we make one thing straight, because hell represents two words that are both important but very different. When we say hell in the Apostles' Creed, and he descended into hell, we are translating the underlying Greek word Hades into hell. Hades is merely the place of the dead. The other Greek word that we translate into English as hell is Gehenna which, regardless of what anyone says, is actually a real physical place, a small valley now called the Valley of Himmon, surrounding Jerusalem's old city, including Mount Zion, from the west and south. It was there in Gehenna where initially some of the kings of Judah sacrificed their children by fire, and thereafter the place was deemed to be cursed. And drawing from this, Gehenna is the destination of the wicked in rabbinic literature, that rabbinic literature that we see Jesus so often quote, usually with his own special twist on the words. Indeed, in the New Testament, Jesus is the one that uses Gehenna more times than anyone else. So perhaps we should pay attention. Jesus uses Gehenna, in fact, several times in his Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus makes the scary proclamation, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Before he goes on to tell us exact, that's before he goes on to tell us exactly how we are to exceed that righteousness by a new law, a law that contains and exceeds the old Mosaic law, not by loosening the old law, but by raising it up even higher toward God. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and one-ups them. He says, "You have heard, you shall not swear falsely, but I say, do not swear at all. You have heard, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. You have heard an eye for an eye. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard, you shall not kill. 
But I say everyone who is angry is liable to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Raka will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be subject to the fire of Gehenna. I told you we'd hear about fools again, but this one isn't so funny now, is it? However, this is not really about being good. It's about being more like God. And how can we do that? Well, only by being more and more in communion with him. As you've heard me say before, we as Christians are called not to the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, but to the platinum rule, which is to do unto others as God does to others. It's the only way we can exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And we can't do that alone. We have to work together with God. And that brings us to Palm Sunday. In the gospel passage, we hear that indeed Jesus died on the cross. There's no mention of why, except that it appears that nearly everyone had it out for him. And why was that? Was it that they didn't like what he had to say? Certainly. And probably some of that, and, and, and some of the powerful, indeed, didn't like what they were seeing. After all, he rode into town like a king, didn't he? Or, or did he? I mean, do kings normally ride into town on a donkey? I mean, what's going on here? And to explain this, I want to take a moment to read our epistle reading today. Don't worry, the Holy Father's kept it short, knowing the gospel was long. So let's read from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul says he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, to remind us that dying on the cross was a curse in the Jewish law. From Deuteronomy, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So why did Jesus die on the cross? To save us from hell? No. Jesus died on the cross because he was humble and obedient to God the Father by his very own free will. Do we not think that the man who could make the blind see raise Lazarus from the dead and calm the seas could have avoided death if he has wished? What did he just say to Peter in our gospel passage? I could call down a legion of angels to save me right now. I'm doing this of my own free will. And the cross was merely one act, an important act, but a piece of an entire process of obediently uniting God with humankind that began when Mary consented to God, be it unto me according to your will. Jesus rode into this world humbly. He wasn't born into a lavish household, but laid next to animals in the manger at his birth. He lived an ordinary childhood. He didn't hobnob with the rich and famous, but with fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. And here we see Jesus ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, an animal of peace, not of war, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. We read just a few moments ago as our, as our Old Testament reading for uh, Matins. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And Jesus will ride out a week later, dying on the cross, humbly and shamefully. 
It's for this that God exalted him and all of humankind through him. Jesus did what no one has accomplished before or since, uniting God and mankind perfectly. And thereby Jesus restores us to life from the death we subjected ourselves to by our free will and our choice to choose sin and death rather than God. It is because of Jesus that we no longer die, but live. It is how we live not only in the life hereafter, but in the life here and now. We must daily be uniting ourselves more and more with God, taking up our humble cross and following Jesus and culturing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Jesus died on the cross not to save us from hell, but to bring us life now and in the hereafter. In fact, we would not even have the option of going to Gehenna if Jesus hadn't died on the cross. Why? Because we were otherwise destined to permanently lie dead in Hades. So if indeed the wicked amongst us are to live, and I underscore the word live, eternally in the flames of hell, they will only be able to do so through the action of Christ on the cross to make us all live again when we were dead. God is the only source of life we have. God did not die on the cross to save us from hell, but to restore to us the choice we messed up in the Garden of Eden, to choose God or to choose separation from him. And how will we make the right choice this time? How will we choose him? It isn't so much about following the rules, although that's important. As we talked about a few moments ago, Christ himself said so much. And he said that that is how we show that we love God. We're obligated to keep working to get better at following God's commandments because that is how we show him we love him. And yet that is really just a tiny part of the bigger mission we are called to, to empty ourselves, to take up our cross humbly, to become not the master but the servant. Quoting St. John Chrysostom, Christ gives praise on this principle when he says, Come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. He didn't say, because you have been covetous, because you have not robbed. These are slight things, but because you saw me hungry and fed me. End quoting St. John Chrysostom. So as we go through Holy Week this week in anticipation of celebrating Pascha, let us be watchful, be mindful of Jesus the servant. We'll see it all throughout the week. Let us study how God himself, creator of the universe, humbled himself and gave us everything. Indeed, he's told us that he will return in glory again to give himself to us more fully in the future. And indeed, as Father Michael told us last week, his return is believed to be both heaven and hell. For those of us who love God, it will be a glorious event. For those who reject God, it will be a burning flame. And so if we wish to avoid Gehenna, we must make that choice to align ourselves with his nature by his grace that Adam and Eve did not make, so that when he comes again in glory, it will feel like the glorious sun on a pleasant spring day rather than the fires of hell. Let us empty ourselves fully so that we can be filled up with God, our good God, who loves us all, Then, as our cup runneth over, let us give that love to everyone around us, being the humble servant that God himself has shown us how to be better than anyone else ever could. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.